Welcome, everyone, to a fantastic new episode of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name is Alon. And my name is still Ara. For those keeping score, this is episode 499, which means we will be in episode 500. 500 next week. That's a big number. That is a tremendous number for this show. It means we've done actually almost 500 shows after next week. Uh, Very counterintuitively. Yeah, this this is amazing, actually. I don't know if our listeners realize this, but on many occasions, I have thought, eh, maybe I'll just shelve this thing. Maybe, maybe it's just, I'm done. Don't need to do this anymore. Ten years, almost. Not really. Ten years. What is it? Are we approaching ten? I think we are. Maybe you may be approaching ten. Crap. I'm approaching something different, but. Well, only slightly less. Trust me. Looking back on like the ages, the the ages of Chatterbox, Ara, the Ara years is that's the golden era of Chatterbox. The well, previous years now, were like the Ice Ages. Now you're going to make me blush. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm glad now. No, I'm going to use my Johnny. Car- no, actually, I can't use my Johnny Carson joke. You'd have to call me Sir to use my Johnny Carson joke. Well, I'm I'm glad that we've stuck it out. We continue to do the show. Um, I'm glad that Facebook exists so we can start having a little bit of conversation with our fans. Um, what we talked about last week has apparently struck a chord with a couple people, at least, talking about Dragon's Crown. Um, I'm just excited that people are responding to stuff that we talked about on the show. And I didn't actually do this on purpose, but I very selectively complained about two things last episode, and I didn't really give anyone a complete picture. So, of course... A lot of people on the Facebook are like, oh, you totally missed the point, Ara. It's not what this game is about. Yeah. They, et cetera. So last week, you talked a lot about the narrator and how he annoyed you. And then John and somebody else jumped in and said, you know, the narrator is supposed to be like the dungeon master in a game of D&D. Like that's, he's serving a purpose. It's, yeah, I, it might not be the perfect artistic choice. I want to, yeah. So I want to respond to that directly. And I, I already did, but I want to respond to it even more even more verbally than what Facebook normally allows. So, look, here's the thing. Like, I get what it's supposed to be, but not all intents, not all executions are equal. You know, so I understand, like, you know, our listeners are trying to be very, what's the word, uh, rational with their explanations, but it doesn't matter what they're supposed to be doing because... Here's look. Here's my problem. Now I was a little bit. I have to say my reaction was a little strong in the beginning, but there's a reason for that. It's because there's one of the few things that I refuse to suffer is being talked down to, especially by a machine. And I I don't like this guy. I got I got another whiff of it because I had actually I had you yeah, finally played this game a lot. And look, I don't I like this guy telling me what to do, what I'm going to do next. Where I'm going, how about, how about, like, how about you shut up, narrator? How about I decide where to go next? How about that? How about we play that game instead of you do this and you do that? Yeah, but at the beginning of the game, it's all very tutorial-like. He's telling you, you gotta go here, you gotta go there. I don't want to be patronized, okay? And so that's, that's the one, that's the one reason why I had that emotional reaction. But the second reason is because he's a liar, this narrator. What do you mean? He's a big fat liar. When you finish that first level, with the uh, harpies, and he's like, you take care to make sure not to... Okay, no, wait, that's the wrong accent. He's like, you take care not... To... Okay, that's the wrong one, too. <laughs> he's like, he's like, you take... No, you're going to do it. It's important. He's like, you take care not to draw the attention of any, like, any harpies in the area. And I'm like, no, I didn't. There's no more harpies. I just killed them all. Yeah. I didn't do any of that. There's another part where you have to go up. You didn't get to this part yet, but there's a little tower in the middle of town, right? And when he introduces you to that tower, uh, there's like this – you see the – I don't know if you saw it, but there's this little like circular set of stairs like winding its way up this little tower, right? And when you do the transition to go up the tower, he's like, you walk up the labyrinthine set of stairs. And it's like, it's not labyrinthine. It's just kind of curving around like a couple – I have problems with people in my life who exaggerate S like this unnecessarily all the time. I don't need these problems Man, in a video game. Man, it is a game. good thing you are not married to my wife. <laughs> um, 
the thing is, when you think of it like the DM, it answers a lot of questions for me. Like the idea that they say you you take care not to you know arouse any other harpies or something. I understand what they were going for. I just I still think it's a horrendous execution because. Stop telling me what to do. Stop telling me what I'm thinking. Stop telling me all these things. But that's specifically what a DM does. Yeah, He's but setting I don't the want mood. That. He's telling you what's going on in the I, world yeah, because it I is a story. It. I got it. I don't want that. I'm not trying want... to remove the story from a game that's trying to have story. I'm trying to remove the I'm going to start cussing if you set me off even more right now. Well, what do you want me to do? I'm just telling you what when I think. When the story is a piece of S, then I don't want to have anything to do with it. Well, I certainly can see what our listeners can see. I and think look, the game... Some people don't mind being talked to like they're a child. And if you don't mind that, that's fine. But I'm not going to tolerate that. So I'm going to tell you that after playing the game, there certainly are a bunch of problems. But the problems I see are all like little gameplay thing yeah here, like, well the funny thing about too, the too, funny thing about this argument is that it has nothing to do with the actual game itself it's completely ancillary your argument yeah mine is all about the gameplay like no no no, 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 no. don't say it's my argument because there's other things and i'll probably have even more complaints about the gameplay but go ahead okay so can i can i complain now we ready? please we're good i was gonna say like there are a bunch of things that i didn't like but they were very much about like how it actually worked mechanically like, you have to be in a very specific spot to pick up a weapon, and when you're in, like, the midst of fighting someone, you want to pick up a weapon, it should be easier to pick yeah, it up. Yeah, I miss those targets, like, probably at least 30% of the time, if not more. Yeah, most of the time. Yeah. Hitting someone, like, there's... Uh, in This game is one of those games that's, like, technically it exists in three dimensions. <laughs> so it's 2D sprites. Like, you can walk up and down the screen, meaning in and out of the screen, even though your sprite size doesn't change. It's very old-school brawler, like Final Fight, right? Yeah. You can move up, down, left, and right, but you can also jump. Um, so it's got all three dimensions, which is a pain in a brawler if, like, each... What, what do you call it? Like, each level of parallax or, like, each yeah, you verti- just- vertical... There's so if you move up like a little bit, let's say you move up an inch, you're, you're I don't know what that means. Yeah, whatever. you're in a different plane than the enemy. You shoot yeah. an arrow at him and you miss him. Um, that's very frustrating. This happened a lot to, to me, and I was actually I had the same problem, and I was really surprised at how precise you had to line up on we'll call it the Z axis. Yeah, so you think back to Streets of Rage, and if I recall, maybe Streets of Rage is the wrong example, but there were some games like this where. You had like specific the in and the out plane, right? You were you were either close yeah, to the well, screen or far like away. Yeah, that was like Guardian Heroes, right? Where that's when you literally there was basically just two fixed planes and you switched between them, right? Yeah. Streets of Rage was like it had a regular it was ground more fluid, plane, like this, except one. it had a much wider. That's the thing, right? Because they're actually faking all this, so there's like a certain amount of tolerance you can build into it. And just as you perceived, I also perceived the same. Uh, they it just. You have to be too close. There's not enough. Yeah. The, the the tolerance range for you to for things to count as you hitting them is too small. Yeah. Also, there's I have issues with the menu system, just understanding what's going on. But yeah, once, that was a like, hassle to me. Once too. you go through it and you figure it out, then you're done and and you get it. So that's fine. I could get over that stuff. But the gameplay elements, generally speaking, it's a beautiful, well presented game. It looks fantastic, and you see you see how much I'm crushed now because it looks so good. It looks beautiful, and all these I other named, like niggling things. My are... character with the giant boobs, I named Canzarella. Although you tried to, I only had room for Canzarella, but it still worked. So, like, I was feeling I was embedded in this game, man. I was ready. I was leveling up my character. I think that it's kind of hard to beat enemies here's, here's the funny thing there's is that a pattern well yeah and i experienced the same thing Don't, didn't you notice how you either you're just either totally creaming the enemy or they'll hit you and when they hit you and when you lose to them when you make mistakes i mean you just tell me right out if you disagree i felt the very stark sensation that i couldn't it was like there was nothing I could do to respond to it when I got hit. Like, I either couldn't see what was happening or I couldn't tell what I could have done differently to avoid it. Yeah, but I also think that the game is built very much for multiplayer. And when I played well, it, of course it, you is. chose to watch instead of play with me. Yeah. And, like, the very first boss level, boss that I came across, I didn't yeah. have a, an AI partner. It was just me. So that boss was always attacking me. And I couldn't escape. Or I wasn't experienced enough in the game to know how to escape. 
Although now I realize I could have just teleported because my character has a teleport. But yeah, um, I mean that just allows you to move around a little faster. Is yeah, but I does. couldn't. That damn bird was coming after me, and I didn't yeah. know how to escape, and so I lost all my lives. And uh, if we were multiplayer, the bird would be going after different players. Like the next boss I came to, there was an AI team member with me who was just beating up things. So do you and think so, this is this is good? Do you um, think that this is like a well, generally I, positive I think it, thing? It's an accommodation for the level of difficulty. When when an enemy focuses on just one player character, he, it see, becomes really difficult. Here's what I think happened. I think that they are this this developer has a lot of strengths, and they're mostly on the artistic side. And I think their biggest weakness is when you're confronted with an enemy. Like uh, I was kind of trying to get at this a moment ago. It either tends to be totally impossible or way too easy. And the hard part about game design is making you can engage with where you can do a little dance with them where you're, you know, there's, there's something going on where it's not so uh, all the way on one side or the other. And I feel like what, because the funny thing is, is that the way enemies behave in this game and actually the dynamic feel is the same as in the previous ones, Muramasa and Odin Sphere. And those games had this problem too, where I just think that they, the way that they build enemies, they just don't know how to build enemies where the interaction allows you to do that dance that you'd normally get to do in what I would consider like the best examples of like platformers or brawlers. So you think they're just clearly they focus on their art? They yeah, well, they're doing that. I think that they made a bunch of decisions in this game to basically emphasize the stuff that they are good at and de-emphasize the stuff that they're bad at. Well, I guess that's not a dumb move. It's not a dumb move, but uh, there are other dumb moves that I'm going to expound upon. Chatterboxers, how much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. All right, we're back. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Don't forget to visit UAT.edu, the website for the University of Advancing Technology. That's a school, a school you can go to to learn how to make games. Um, and hopefully make them, uh, well, you can't make them look better than Dragon's Crown, but hopefully you can make them play better than Dragon's Crown. Yes. And speaking of Dragon's Crown, I'm going to tell a story after we're done talking about Dragon's Crown about some other 2D games that I've so, been dealing with lately. By the way... One of our listeners, Joe, is going to buy this game off me. Really? Yeah. Oh. Okay. I, I assumed it was someone you knew in town or something. No. All right. And um, hopefully, hopefully you'll still want to buy it after this episode, Joe. <laughs> after we tell him what we did with the disc? <laughs> no. After you, don't, we, you don't want to buy it, Joe. Trust me. No, after we tell him what the game is like. <laughs> So is that what is this show just like a, a plan to sell off our wares? Because I have a bunch of old games I need to get rid of. Look, this in is boxes. I didn't even ask the last show. I was thinking of it, but I didn't. And Joe offered. Okay. And and look, here's the funny thing: is that no, I don't want to talk about that. But the reason why this game, like, despite all of my ancillary complaints and how much I love complaining about the narrator and all that stuff. When it really comes down to brass tacks, the thing that killed it for me is that. 
when you get hit in this game, like I said, like you can't really tell what hit you. And you you only played the beginning part, so you didn't really get to experience what it gets to be like a little bit farther in. There were a couple but, parts I played with like four enemies on yeah, screen. It and gets, you can't tell what's going that's on. That's the thing. It gets so chaotic. And it, it's really interesting how every single design decision they made with the game dynamics to separate this from their previous games have only served to make it more chaotic. Like the previous games, everything's happening on one plane, okay? Less room for stuff to be chaotic. It's ba- They're basically one-player games, the previous games. Less room for stuff to be chaotic, right? And so now they have this ground plane. Not only that, you saw how you had a... You had an AI character basically barge its way into your your level to help you. Well, I chose right. to activate her, but, but yeah, but yeah, they it, actually they they barge in too sometimes, even when you don't choose to, and you have to actually like lock them out to keep them from coming in. Oh, right. And in the one sense, it's like okay, like well, this guy's helping me. This is good, right? But in the other sense, all it's really doing because they've got that they've got the stupid thief guy who does nothing but clutter, clutter the screen. Right? Like, there's no way, like, I don't understand why you couldn't just open your own locks. Yeah, he's a little right. bit. They have this fairy that, that follows you around all the time, right? So there's three characters, and then an AI barges in, then there's four, and that you could even have two more playing, and these are all ally characters. And so now we have, like, seven, six or seven now, and that's not even counting any enemies. And so it's funny because the last, the previous games, they had some issues with things becoming a little too chaotic, especially when you played the late game where you had these challenges and it would get really chaotic and be hard to read. And you basically like treat like this like group of like 15 enemies as like this like singular mass entity because that was the only way you could deal with them, right? And they would all kind of like just go all over the place and you'd hope that they'd just cluster around themselves enough that you could kind of just hit them all at once. Anyway... Every single thing they do, it just makes it harder and harder to read what's happening. And that is the kind of game, that's like the antithesis of the kind of game that I enjoy. Everything about this feels to me like it's very grindy, it's very clunky to get through. The graphics are awesome, it looks beautiful. It's a game based on D&D, leveling up, and you have a million different, like... Magic power. Yeah, but and that's that's can, a cop out because there have been because even Shadows of Mistara, which was also based on D&D as and was a brawler, that was more readable and I felt like had more technique to it. No, but what I mean, you said it's grindy. I'm like, of course it's yeah. grindy. Yeah, well, that's the, no, but that's the thing is that like it didn't have to be grindy just because they had a and D subject matter. They're making it grindy because that's the only way that they can get a lengthy game experience out of this this type of structure that they've made. Honestly, if you ask me, any brawler period is going to be grindy. For the for the most part, they are, and but I think that that's because they make every brawler wrong. Okay. So there. So I guess you have an opportunity there to make a brawler differently. Well, there there have been some brawling games, some indie games. There's one that I just saw the other day. The name escapes me. Maybe I'll remember when we come back or something. But there's been some indie efforts that are really really incredible and they do they do things that it's just i don't want to get into that but there's good examples out there but most of the corporate efforts that we all know of like yeah they're pretty much they're pretty grindy they're pretty mindless well i I, so i want to learn more about this example that you're you're saying exists that is not grindy or just does it better so my challenge to you is to uh find out what that is and tell us uh, by next week. Well, maybe it's either going to be next segment or never. So there. Okay. Well, then by next segment, <laughs> I want to know what this is. So um, can we close the book on Dragon's so Crown? Let's, yes, let's close the book on it. All right. So, so let me tell you my story this week. Um, I think last week I mentioned that I got my NBA maximum hang time. Did I mention that on the show last week? You totally did. Okay. So I went home. Now tell me which one is this? This is this, this is before Showtime, right? Yeah, it is the what I have is NBA Maximum Hang Time, otherwise known as Maximum NBA Hang Time. They're, we're not sure what it's actually called, um, but but there's definitely Maximum. Yeah, and there's and definitely the hang, hang time. time somewhere. It is the latest or the most recent 2D NBA Jam game. 
There was NBA Jam, then there was NBA Jam Tournament Edition, then there was NBA Hang Time, then there was Maximum Hang Time. Wait, which, so where does Showtime come in? Showtime is 3D. It's totally 3D. You're so Showtime right. Showtime is 3D. It came after Maximum Hang Time, um, around the same time that NFL Blitz came out. And then Blitz and Showtime also appeared in the same physical machine, like some version of Blitz and some version of Showtime as sports station, like NBC Sports Station or something. I didn't know you were so into basketball. When did this happen? I'm not. I just have fond memories of NBA Jam. And this story goes way back, way, way, way back. So I was at an arcade. I was at a golf land in, I think it was the Sunnyvale golf land. It might have been, no, it would have been a different one, like Milpitas or something. Um I was at this golf land playing DDR with some people that I only met in like DDR forums and whatever. And um, while I was down there, I somehow discovered or asked about or whatever to the arcade operator like that I would buy an arcade board or that I had bought a machine recently or something. And he had a Killer Instinct board like just laying there that he would sell to me. So I was like, sure, I'll take it. And he's like, yeah. And then he had like this box of games. I was like, yeah, all right, I'll buy all of them. So for like 100 bucks or something, I bought Killer Instinct and this box of boards. Didn't even know what they were. That's an incredible deal. Yeah. And one of them turned out to be Matt, because it's the only time I've ever bought arcade boards, is this one. I mean, I bought an arcade machine with a Street Fighter in it, and then I bought all of these loose boards from this guy. Right. And uh, he said it was broken, I think. I bought a box of boards, and maybe the Killer Instinct was just in there or something. I can't even remember. He said it was broken, but it totally worked. Um, I did have to fix a wire to get the sound working or like add a wire or something but that was it that's Um, the best kind of broken yeah but that's also because it was in a non-midway machine i put it in like a street fighter old cab which wasn't even a dedicated street fighter cab anyway point is i got this box of boards one of them was nba maximum hang time and i was like this is great this is a great game so uh i used that and then when i went home a week ago i went sifting through my stuff i found that board and brought it home um, now, I need to have a point of reference here. Have you played Showtime? I've never played Showtime. Okay, so because I've only played Showtime and you've only played Hangtime. So maybe maybe there's Wait, one you've way you've never we can... played NBA Jam? No. You're... Only Showtime. You are kidding me. You've never played NBA Jam, like the 2D versions of NBA Jam games? Um, not unless I was tied up and blindfolded and forced against my will to handle the controller and play that That game. is very surprising to me because NBA Jam is one of those very few what's what's the word I'm looking for like it's fun sports games not fun sports <laughs> games it's just it's it's iconic that's the word I was looking for arcade games well it is iconic yeah it 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 changed things like they went to the NBA and said hey we've got this idea for a game and they were like eh no, we're not really keen on it. We don't care about the arcade very much. And then they said, well, we're going to make it anyway. And uh, then they put it in some testing or whatever. They got the go-ahead, pushed for like nine months or something. They got the go-ahead for NBA Jam. They, they play-tested a bit, and people loved it. They loved the hell out of it and totally surprised the NBA. And then it just it went crazy, and that's why they had so many sequels. Let me tell you, there's a lot of really important things that I haven't played. If you think this is one of them. Did you ever visit arcades when, when you were a teenager? Oh, of course. I had, I had priorities, first of all. It's weird. Of, okay. course, of course it's weird because my brain is like pop culture Swiss cheese even when it comes to video games. So when you say you had priorities, do you mean you played very specific other games or you just – Oh, yeah. I had, like, I had like no interest in NBA Jam. And the only reason why actually I even played Showtime was because when I was working at Tips and Tricks, we had that cabinet three feet from where I was sitting. Oh. So what arcade games were you playing when you weren't playing NBA Jam? All of the other ones. Okay. Right. I take your pick. All right. Well, anyway, it has a rich history. Indeed it, it does. It was part of this whole, like, Midway Arcade, everything looks real thing. Like, they had – you remember the game, like, the Aerosmith game? I forget what it's called right now. Revolution X. Revolution X. So that was all, like, real-ish graphics. Mortal Kombat was the first one. NBA Jam. There must have been some other Midway games that were the same idea. Yeah, that's when we were starting to do those, like, digitized, rotoscoped – not just rotoscoped, but maybe digitized, too. Yeah. So, like, it wasn't 3D. It was just super cool-looking because it was – Actually, those two techniques might be mutually exclusive if you want to get yeah. real technical. You know, it's funny. Killer Instinct is also a Midway game, even though it's kind of a Nintendo game. Like, it's, it's Midway made for Nintendo. Yeah. Anyway, uh, it's the same thing. It's 
totally 2D, just with advanced computer modeling, you know, what they called ACM. And then they just cut out the sprites. Instead of pictures of human beings, it was pictures of computer graphics. Um, but it, it fits very much into that whole midway genre of, of those digitized graphics. And um, Anyway, so I'm going to tell you the story about my arcade goings um, when we come back. And we'll be right back. Okay, so I gave you a little bit of the history of NBA Jam, and you really should play. I mean, it's worth playing. What's weird is, I gotta say, it feels very different playing it in my living room than playing in the arcade. Like, the memory of it was way more, like, frenetic. Like, there was more going on, the sound was crazier, and I don't know if it was just the element of the arcade atmosphere or what. Playing it at home, there's, like, almost no music at all. Well, I don't how, how old were you when you were playing that in the arcade? Uh... Well, I happen to know that Hang Time was released in like 96, 97, and NBA Jam obviously was before that by several years. So NBA Jam was probably 92, 93, probably 93. Here's, here's the most important detail, though. So I, was, I would have been 14. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I have no explanation. But I, we got to sort this one out, okay? Look, the thing about Showtime that was so crazy is that that game cheats... Like, nobody's business. Like, there is... This was, like, a midway thing. You mean with the computer assistance? Yeah. And it, it was, like... like there's, there's, you can change that, though. There's a dip switch for it. That's so interesting, because I, I, I don't know how it compares to your previous version of the game, but in, in Hang Time, in Showtime, it was so bad that it was almost like there was just some kind of statistical thing running in the background that you could never see... And when that statistical thing decided that, like, okay, this guy needs, is going to make a three-pointer now, you made a three-pointer. And it didn't matter how you did it, and it didn't matter how well you did it or how badly you did it, you got it, or vice versa. Well, I believe that was, according to what I was reading recently, I think Mark Turmel decided to put in computer assistance to keep the score uh, Yeah, this close. is crazy, or, or otherwise known as rubber banding, as yeah, they say. Yeah, so, but... I mean, this goes into the whole uh, psychology of arcade games. Like, you want people to keep paying, right? Because you're getting a quarter for every quarter that people play, or 50 cents for every quarter, or whatever it is, right? And so if the score is close, you're going to want to keep playing. If the score is wide apart, oh, well, I lost anyway. I'm going to stop playing. Yeah, so all of that is fine and dandy until the user discovers that they're being toyed with. Yeah. Now, on my machine, I have disabled computer assistance. In fact... It was already disabled, which makes me think that I probably disabled it years ago when I used it the first time. How interesting. Uh, yeah, but they built it in, which sort of makes sense. But when it's so obvious like that, like I, I haven't ever witnessed that myself where like you can tell that the person's going to make the three-pointer from half court or further just because the score is apart. Yeah. Um, well, that's weird. But uh, anyway, let, let me tell you the story, my personal story this weekend, right? So I get the game. I bring it home. And I, I pop it in my machine. I have to, like, buy some wood and some metal and whatever to get it to. For those who don't know about an arcade machine, the inside of it is just all air. I mean, depending on which. The newer ones are, like, whole computers that take up more space. Did you make but, your own chassis for the board? Sort of. This is where we're going? So, um, basically, it's it's one printed circuit board screw, literally screwed into the side of the arcade machine. And then it's just all air. My cats literally go in and hang out inside my arcade machine. And... Because one of the doors, like, it doesn't have a lock on it. And they just, like, he actually takes his paw and opens the door because he knows he can. Nice. It's crazy. Anyway, so it's all air in there. And I was like, well, I can just put another board in and then move the little connector wires whenever I want to change games, like a cartridge. But I need to mount it on a piece of wood so it's not just, like, laying on the ground. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I put another p piece of vertical wood in there and then mounted another. And I could mount a third on the other side of the wood if I wanted it. Anyway. 
I spent a little time getting that done, and I realized, you know, I only have a two-player machine because my machine is a dedicated Killer Instinct cabinet that I'm putting NBA hang time into or maximum hang time. And so I wanted to play or have the ability to play three and four players. And another interesting thing to note about arcade machines versus home machines, like when you're playing as old as Super Nintendo and Genesis, actually, when you're playing a con- you know with a controller that has lots of buttons, um, the controller isn't just a sequence of switches. Uh, Nintendo was. So like original NES, a bunch of wires went, went up the controller from the console uh, or up the wire into the controller. And in the controller was just a circuit board with pieces of metal that came together under your button. And when you press the button, it connects the metal, and that's a switch, right? Just like a light switch in your house. That's the whole thing. The controller is just... What a Super Nintendo controller would be eight switches for the four directions, start, select, A and B, right? And goes back to the machine and tells you when this switch is closed, this button is pressed, and that's it. Super Nintendo comes along, and there's only you know X number of wires, but there's a lot more buttons. And so there's actually a chip inside the controller that is processing the information. So like you can press a couple buttons at once, but it probably wouldn't recognize if you pressed all of the buttons at once. Um, so... Newer controllers are sort of a pain. They're a pain to mess with and um, to, to try and hack into an arcade machine or something or do much of anything else with. But an arcade machine, it's all just switches. All those buttons you're pressing, it's a switch that goes directly to the board. So I thought, if I can just get the wire, the harness that you like just clip onto the board and a million wires shoot out of it, I can hack that onto a controller. And uh, so that was my plan, like find somewhere where I can buy this. It's hard to get it on the Internet. You can get it somewhere, but it's a little expensive. I called up the guy who sold me the arcade machine in the first place. Roxy's Game Room is where I got it from. Still alive? Yes. And the reason I knew it is because I kept the receipt for the arcade machine inside the arcade machine, and I found it when I was messing around with it. I was like, oh, this is where I bought it. Great. I could find it. So I looked it up on the internet. He has a web page with a phone number, but no address. You bought it from an old man named Roxy. Not an old man, actually. Middle-aged. And I call him up, and it's just, hello. And I was like, yeah, is this Roxy's Game Room? He's like, uh, yep. Like, he doesn't say anything. That's the kind of guy he is, which is fine with me. That's his style. And I just say, hey, I bought a game from you years ago, and I'm trying to put a maximum hang time board into my Killer Instinct cabinet. Um, I want the third and four-player harness for this, these midway three, four-player games. And uh, he's like, yeah, all right. Come on down. Here's my address. I've got some, got some stuff in the back. And uh, so I go down to his house, which is much further away than where the game room used to be, because apparently what I did not know you know how the whole world crashed economically six years ago? Something like that. The crash of everything, right? Yeah. Apparently that hit the arcade business hard. He's like, people were not buying arcade machines for their house because they were losing their house. So when houses got lost, vanity items or novelty items for the house also tanked. And he no longer has, has the home business. He's still, he's doing fine. He's, he sells arcade machines to, you know, has his routes, Arcade business is all about routes where you put arcade machines in businesses and you take half the money they earn in coins. And Anyway, he's doing fine, but he doesn't have the business where you just walk into a warehouse and buy a video game machine from him, which is a bummer because I loved being able to do that. But I end up just at his house, really far away from where you and I live. And uh, was, this like a, was this like a reenacting an episode of American Pickers? Did he just have junk everywhere? It wasn't that bad. There's Arcade a little bit. stuff. I mean, it was like old, like he had like a vending machine and like a, a Mortal Kombat machine in his garage. And all the games were like the kind that are sort of like they're not pristine condition like collectors. They're like uh, an old Mortal Kombat machine that probably has an extra button drilled into it because someone tried to turn it into a Street Fighter machine once. And then it was <laughs> converted back and it has like smoke burns on it. And it was that kind of, kind of setup. But he went sifting through boxes and cabinetry and whatever in his garage. And he's like, oh, all right, here it is. Yeah, 20 bucks. So I bought the harness for just 20 bucks, which is less than I thought. Nice work. Bring it home. I had to rearrange one of the wires, put it in a different, you know, little port in the Molex connector, which is just the plastic piece. Connected it to the board, played around with it a while, looked at the schematics of a manual I found online. And I have not actually connected to a controller yet, but I have it ready to go. And in my brain, like I understand how I'm going to do it. So the plan is to connect it to is another thing. I posted this on Facebook, too. Um, I was trying to figure out which controller of old. We're thinking, you know, Super Nintendo, because it has three buttons. There's Turbo, Shoot, and Pass. So it couldn't be an NES controller. But, like, Super Nintendo Genesis, New Genesis with six buttons, 
uh, Nintendo 64 was even considered. It's like I went to Fallout Games, which is like a local game store here in Phoenix. And, uh, and I basically looked at all the old controllers, which I inevitably have in a box at my house anyway. Right? But I went there and I was like, hey, what would you do in this situation? If you wanted to play an arcade game, a hand controller that you're going to rig up to the arcade machine, what do you want? So like, we looked at GameCube would be great because it's got the big old, like I think the big green A button. Remember the GameCube controller has like one centralized button with three buttons around around it. Totally. Yeah, you should remember. Go look up a picture online to remember it. Uh, but it was good because you basically hold turbo all the time and then just press shoot and pass when you want. That's basically how the NBA Jam games work. And so I considered that, but the D-pad's in the wrong place. We looked at Nintendo 64 even. Wouldn't you expect that that one would have advanced circuitry that was too Here's crazy to thing. deal with anyway? I figured that I'm going to be able to do it. It's just going to be harder. But here's what I settled on, right? I looked at all sorts. I considered all sorts. Neo Geo, by the way, because it's arcade-based, all switches. And I could get Neo Geo controllers. Right. So, like so you're not satisfied with Neo Geo. You want an even more difficult I want challenge. whatever is ergonomically best for this scenario. I even considered, I don't know if you remember, there was something called like the CP Capcom controller for 16-bit era, Genesis and Super Nintendo. It looked like this artist's palette where it had like this sort of cylinder you held in your left hand and then like a disc base on the right hand and I had the six buttons in a row to play Street Fighter with. I don't remember that at all, but I do remember the TurboTouch 360. What was that? It was something crazy. It had it had like a it had like a it had like a recessed hexagonal arena for your thumb to rest in that was covered by a membrane pad. I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I never used one, but they totally sucked. It was I never tried one either, but well how do you know it sucked? Maybe it was supposed to be like I've tried one. But no, like you couldn't actually tell what you were pressing. Yeah, that could be a problem. It's like you know what it was? It was the touch screen with no touch screen before touch screens. Yeah, basically. No no it was the touch (laughs) without the screen. So anyway I have decided upon this, and this is good because I have eight of them at home. Uh, well, I have. So I've you can make on, six mistakes and you'll be fine. <laughs> no, I won't no make problem. mistakes, but I've decided on the Japan style, which is American number two style Sega Saturn controller. And you have six of these? I have eight controllers, four of which are the Japan-style ones. This Two of is, which are actual Japan ones because they're gray. This is what happened to all the Saturn controllers in the United States. The reason I have them is for Bomberman, uh, Saturn Bomberman, which can support 10 people. So I had as many controllers as I could. Well, you must, you must remember how the American Saturn controller would basically stab your thumbs constantly. Yeah, it was annoying. And I have one of those. I have four of the Japanese-style ones, two of which are American. Uh, I have two of the big Circle 3D pad ones that came with Knights. And then I have one just third-party piece of junk. But eight for Saturn. I figure I'm never going to play it. Never going to bring out Saturn Bomberman anyway. So I might as well mess with two of them. And I can do it without even destroying the controller. I'm almost done, but I'm going to say one more thing when we come back. Are you going to find a master of science program in technology that creates thinkers who understand how business works and how to apply the technology? Where else are you going to discover a graduate degree in technology that is customized to meet your objectives? Where else in the Valley, on campus or online, can you study at the only private university that gives you the opportunity to focus in specialized areas like network security, artificial life programming, and game studies, as well as technology management? Where else? Where else but the University of Advancing Technology? UAT's graduate technology program is accelerated. It combines business with technology. It offers the flexibility to adapt quickly to changes that come in high-tech fields. Feed your brain. Lead. Manage. You won't find this innovative environment anywhere else. UAT, the select private university where you'll be fully immersed in technology. The experience is unrivaled. Click UAT.edu. That's UAT.edu.
we are back once again in this massive NBA exposition of arcade insanity. Yeah, so I should teach a course. This is what I, I should go to you. Totally should. You should. You should charge money for this. Yeah. Would wouldn't you love it to go into a course at, at University of Advanced Technology Controller Building? It it would make sense. I would teach you guys how to make your own controllers and mess with them. So here's what I wanted to say about the Sega Saturn controllers. I mean, who wouldn't want to learn more about a Molex? Uh, (laughs) That's arcade. Uh, (laughs) It's not just arcade. But anyway, (laughs) anyway, um, so, you know, I've been spending my days doing whatever. Like, I finally, I played Pikmin 3 for like two minutes yesterday because I've been playing Dishonored and I don't want to move on to like a totally engrossing game before I finish Dishonored, but I'm afraid that's going to take a long time, so... Played a little Pikmin, but like I got to I got to do this controller building thing or controller rigging. Um, so before I went to bed last night, I at least took apart the Sega Saturn controller to determine how difficult this would be. One thing you'll notice if you ever take apart a controller, uh, first party versus third party. Okay, printed circuit board is like silicon green wafer stuff. And some metal traces on it. That's what it is. And most of the most of all the metal is covered. It's sealed. So like, if a wire fell on it, it doesn't like short circuit stuff. But under the buttons, it's exposed metal. A third party one is just like some exposed copper or whatever it is that they use. Probably copper. Um, first party ones use this weird like carbon stuff that you can't solder to. It's very frustrating. But I open up a Saturn controller, and although it has that weird carbony connection stuff. It's also super simple. Like, there's no resistor on the whole board. Uh, usually these things are chock full of weird resistors and capacitors, like, all over the place. Weird crap. But I don't understand what it's used for. And then, of course, one logic chip, if not more than one. Um, or, like, the Nintendo 64 has, like, daughter boards and a big old joystick piece on it. It's crazy. Yeah, I remember the, the newer stuff has even more, like, stupid, like, security stuff on there, too, even. Yeah, it's wild. Um, Sega Saturn is just a circuit board. And this is the official controller, right? Just the circuit board. And because it has too many buttons, it has to have a processing chip. Except all of those buttons, you can't see exactly where all of the traces go because it's underneath the chip, and I'm not going to desolder it. But I'm sure what happens is all the traces just go to one of the legs of the chip. And so I can just solder to the legs, and it'll be the same as soldering to the buttons themselves, and it'll be great. I'm going to have an Ethernet cord coming out of the back of the controller, which is going to connect to the crazy wires that come out of those Molex-connected player three and four slots. But this is the one you haven't tried yet. What do you mean? Or have you tried it yet? I mean, I haven't tried it. I haven't actually soldered. I just looked at it and said, oh, it's this is super simple. It's just a circuit board with a chip. Right? It's it's just cake. So next and week... physically, I have the room for a wire and all that. Like, it's going to be great. Next week, we'll find out if your plan worked. You seem to be utterly confident that there's yes. zero, no, the zero chance is, for failure I'm going to have here. to cut off the old wire, which is kind of a bummer because I'd love to keep them both working simultaneously. But I'm going to have to cut off the old wire just to, like, because, I mean, to make room for the new cable coming out. Uh, I have this thing about ruining stuff. Even though I'm never going to use these Saturn controllers, oh, I, I, don't I understand. Them. I'm the same way. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I'm very excited that I'm I'm fairly certain. I just have to do some testing to know which pin goes where because I don't think you can find that on the internet. You can tell which pin coming out of the wire like does what, but there's not enough. It's not. Anyway, I'm excited. I'm going to work on it. I'm going to have four players. Here's a quirk, though. Quirk about these four-player games. Uh, let me ask you this. If you had only two people playing on a four-player NBA game, that's two-on-two basketball. You not being Wait, someone so who plays if all it's two-on-two, two, there's four people playing. Well, yeah, but usually it's computer players. Whoever's not paying is computer. Okay. So if you have a two-player cabinet, because you can have a two- or a four-player cabinet. I have a two-player cabinet, which I'm turning into four players. But just two-player, if you put in the coins and you say start on player one and start on player two, which players do you think are going to activate when you actually press start on the second player? Is it going to be player two, which is the teammate of player one? Or is it going to be player three, who is the opponent of player one? Oh, my God. I don't even understand what you're trying to explain. Okay, if it's two on two, and there's only two controllers, if you have both people playing in the arcade machine at once, are they teammates or are they opponents? Do they have to be one or the other? 
Yes, and that's what's annoying. You can't decide. Well, that just depends on if you are the kind of cooperative kind of person or the competitive. Well, let kind me tell you person. how it works. <laughs> if it's a if it's a two player cabinet, you are competitive. You're playing against the other person, which totally makes sense because if I'm playing in an arcade, I've, I want to go up against someone. I don't want to play with him. It's not nearly as fun. You want to control the situation, right? If you're on offense, you're on offense, and you pass to your computer player, and you have him pass back. You have full control. I, I suppose we generally think of basketball as a competitive activity. Yeah. But when I convert it to a four-player cabinet, the player two joystick is the teammate of the player one, which is annoying because if just two people want to play and I have these two controllers coming out... You're saying they're going to become teammates. Ideally... Yeah, if you have you just two people playing, to. first of all, you want them both using their arcade machine, not these two janky controllers coming out of it. And you want them to be competitive. But the way I'm setting it up, you have to actually go in and mess with a dip switch on the board. You have to say, nope, I'm a two-player cabinet. No, I'm a four-player cabinet. No, I'm a two-player. You can't just like go into software and say, okay, two-player right now. Or you can't just select, I want to be player two, which is the, the teammate, or I want to be player three, which is the opponent. So I have to like flip a dip switch when I have more than two people come over so I can flip to the controller version. So you have you know, people using the controllers and the joysticks. Anyway. Some, some guy who made that decision a long time ago who worked at Midway. Never thought of this. Never thought of this, and his repercussions are making your life really yeah. hard right now. And, uh, you know, I could rig it up the other way. Like, I could rig it so player two... Yeah, where it's just it's always a four-player cabinet, and the second controller is player three. But I would have to ruin it for any other board that I put into that machine, right? So if I switch to Killer Instinct, suddenly that second controller just wouldn't work. <laughs> the second joystick wouldn't work at all. So you have a very special case, my friend. Yeah, a very special case. And and I, I just want to say one last thing about this, unless you have more, which no, no, I have exhausted <laughs> all of my discussion about my arcade hijinks. I don't want to be a party pooper. I don't want to be the potty pooper. I don't want to be the buzzkill. But I, I'm not so sure that your plan will work. But I'm really curious. Oh, that I'll physically succeed? Yeah. No, here's where the plan's going to fail. <laughs> I'm never going to have a third or fourth person who wants to play. That's where it's going to fail. And my friend Wes on Facebook pointed that out. He's like, wow, that sounds tough to do, but not nearly as hard as getting a third and fourth player. Look, I wasn't even going to point that part out because <laughs> I, I understand the value of theoretical science very much. You are a lover of $5 lunch bets, and if you want, I would be happy to place a bet on this, but it would be a fool's bet because I will guaranteed get this to work. No, no, no. I, I'm not, I don't want to challenge you with such authority because I'm not sure. I'm just getting the feeling like there might be something that you may not have taken into account, but I don't know what that thing is. So I'm not going to bet $5. I'm just going to say uh, good luck, and I wish you all the best. Yeah. Let me tell you what I didn't take into account when I was rigging up my Xbox controllers to work in the arcade machine. It was that when all the wires go into the arcade machine, eventually they all sort of make connections and do something. Yeah. And somehow I had to totally disconnect everything from the arcade board if I was using the Xbox. And, uh, yeah, that was weird. I didn't expect to have to do that. But this huh. time around, this time, I will. that will not be a problem, I don't think. I may have to pull the chip off the Sega Saturn controller, I may, in order for it to work with the arcade. Um, but I don't think I will. Even if I do, I'll still get it to work. But worst case, I have to pull the chip off. Because um, I don't know once it goes in there, how it all messes with the connections internally, and if it'll think that I'm constantly holding a button down or something um, on the arcade machine. But I don't think so. Anyway, I am totally up to the challenge, and I will do it, and I will report back when it's all done. Anyway, um, we only have a few minutes left. Do you want me to extend the show? Do we, do we want to extend it? So you know, we, have, we have a big topic, but I think let's just like pick up a couple little ones that we've had lying around, and let's save the really big, juicy one for the next show. For episode 500. Yeah. Good, good, good. And it's also worthy of a 500 episode. Okay. Cool. We can do that. And, I'm sorry that I spent really, so much time on the arcade And stuff. really, I'm just saying that just because it's convenient right now. It's, it's what I've been... What I've been dealing with lately. So, oh, man, I'm looking through my list of things, what I want to talk about. Did you know Dead Rising 2 and Dead Rising Code Zero, by the way? Which is just more Dead Rising 2. Is that, that's totally free on Xbox now. Oh, you don't have Xbox Live Gold. Nope. Okay, well, for people who have Xbox Live Gold, which I hope is most people listening, 
uh, Dead Rising 2 is totally free. And as a result of me searching for that stuff today, right before I came over, I was on the Xbox. Um, so I'm downloading that. Oh, crap. I didn't leave the Xbox on when I came over here. I meant to leave it on to download all did six have, gigs. Did you play the previous ones? I played the first Dead Rising, and then I got pissed because of the save mechanism, and I stopped. There was something. There's something so fascinating and infuriating about the way they structure those games. But they, they changed it. In the second one. Have they? Which I've never played. Well, see, but, well, well, see here's the funny thing is, is that there was like, right, they have that whole thing where like you do the same, you have like a certain amount of time that's limited, right? And you kind of like end up playing like the same like hours over and over again, but then you end up doing different things. Yeah, but you only have so many saves, so you can't go back and change the fact that you, you are un, unable to succeed. It was very Japanese style. It was like, oh, you screwed yourself. Going to start all over again. Yeah, it's that, that it's that kind of thing. But the funny thing is that there's I I found something that I found it to be valuable in a certain way, but then on the other hand, I found it to be just utterly frustrating. To it's like the very same aspect as like good and bad at the same time. So I was very ambivalent about. Here's the whole where thing. here's why it was bad. Um, I love a game that's like. If in the context of the story, it's like, oh, you have to escape, escape the building before the guys come after you. But like them coming after you only happens once you leave that room. Right. So you could like hang out in that room for as long as you wanted. Nothing would happen. I don't like that. Mm. Um, So I like the idea that this game just sort of had a timer. The problem was that it never warned you it had a timer. So you didn't really know partway through that. You're dilly dallying and sort of messing around. And this game yeah, is all a, about experimenting. That's and my eternal around. lament with games is hiding information. Yeah. So this important information that like, hey, you don't want to mess around too much and waste time till it was you may have very well have been too late where oh, by the way, you better finish this up real fast, but you only have about two minutes to do this thing that involves crossing the entire map and <laughs> killing all sorts of bad guys. But I'm pretty sure they get rid of that. Anyway, what I was gonna say is Looking at this stuff, the fact that it's free also led me to Dead Rising 3, which is coming out for Xbox One. And let me tell you, I am a sucker for trailers and movie trailers. Like, they all make stuff look awesome. And I totally want to play Dead Rising 3 now. I had no intention of it. Now That's I totally funny, because when I see trailers, all I do is feel like a sucker. Yeah. Um, I'm very excited for it, though. No, I'm lying. I'm not very... I'm a little bit excited for it, but I probably won't buy it. Well, then, anyway. where does that leave us? Yeah. I don't know. So, was there anything else we absolutely had to get get to this episode? We are the, so good. We're gonna have the last of really, an era. We're gonna have an awesome topic next show. I won't tell you what it is now. Maybe we'll decide to put it on Facebook or not. Probably not. I think it's gonna stay a surprise. It's gonna be a surprise. Okay. But you should write in and tell me what controller you think I should be using for this arcade project. If not Sega Saturn, I'm curious what people think. Me too. Not really. And I could talk I about it forever. Care. You have to be able to hold the turbo button while accessing the other buttons. Anyway. Anyway, I'll put it to rest. I'll tell you how it turned out next week. Goodbye, everybody. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.